I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast no, show. No, this is not, that's not, no, this is, look, this is just a preamble. Uh, we, we have arrived. We have arrived. We've arrived. We're in Ottawa right now. And guess what? Tonight, if you're listening to this, the day we, we put it up. Guys, can I be a part of this? No. No. Get out of here. We're doing a live show tonight at Algonquin College in Ottawa. It's a podcast show, a live podcast show. That's right. So tickets, uh, it might be sold out tonight. Uh, but if you're interested, if you're in the Ottawa area, show up tonight, show up early. You might be able to get a ticket. Uh, yeah. And and uh, if you snooze, you lose. That's right. And uh, we're going to be in Toronto doing a live show. It's sold out, unfortunately. Um, that sold out show is going to be on Wednesday, uh, the 26th. So uh, we're really stoked about that. But hey, if you miss out there, don't worry. We're coming back to Toronto. We're going to be back uh, for a live show on November 4th. Ooh, we haven't announced that until just now. Oh, whoa, that was a sneaky sneak sneak. Sneaky sneak sneak. And then uh, we're also doing the podcast um, playlist, CBC Hot Docs podcast festival uh i'm sure the name is is much more succinct than that uh but that's uh, the next day on november 5th so if you want tickets to that uh, you can come see us there as well in, in toronto at the ted rogers hot dogs cinema and speaking of some sneaky sneak things uh, uh stay tuned and, and keep your eyes and ears peeled because we're going to be announcing some more shows on the west coast uh coming up in the next uh, short little while well actually brian our tickets for the calgary show are already up so go to our website go to shows uh the shows button at the top or sickboypodcast.com slash shows and you can get tickets there and uh, victoria and vancouver keep your ears peeled and uh love y'all hope you enjoy this episode it's it's fucking rad and we think you're cool Bye. Bye. Welcome to Sick Boy, a podcast where we talk about what it's like to be sick. This week's guest is my mom, Brian's mom. She has bladder cancer. Let's talk about it. I won't say... I won't say what uh, I won't say what speaking engagement it was, but right before we went on stage one time, uh, Jeremy, oh, yeah, and I, Jeremy yeah, and I yeah. both went to the bathroom, <laughs> and, and Jer and I was I Jared was like, oh man, I got I got oh, poo real bad, and I go, oh yeah, is it gonna be like pee pee out of your out of your poo poo or something like that? And I was like, absolutely. And then he started, and then he started, and I just went, ah, shut up, you're just taking a piss, and he was like, no. I'm not. <laughs> That's the sound of my poop basically all the time now. Ever since is I had that, my gallbladder removed. Is that really? Is that unhealthy? Uh, no, Wait, I don't think so. Does have to, doesn't have to do with your gallbladder though, does it? Uh, I think a big part of it is, yeah. So your gallbladder does do something. Well, ask, it, ask her. <clears throat> ask her. Your gallbladder helps your body break down fat. Ask Alexa. So well, let's hear Jer and then let's compare it to what Alexa tells yeah. us. I mean, you it you don't need it. It's not an it's not a necessary yeah. organ to live, but it does help break down fat in your diet. So uh, before when I when I had my gallbladder removed, it was it was I couldn't have any fat in my diet for like a, for a while. I had to like really mm. warm myself up to it. Hey Alexa, what does the gallbladder do? 
The biological function of the gallbladder is storage of bile needed for digestion of food. Basically, that, that's it. Dude, yeah. that kind of sounds important. <laughs> yeah, it does. But, like, you know, again, it's, like, not needed because you, you can still digest. You could, yeah. It just helps. It just smooths it just the helps. process. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's not what we're here to talk about today. No, we're definitely not here to talk about my liquid shits. <laughs> um, we're here to talk to Brian's mom. Yeah, my mom's here. Brian's mom's in the house. This has been a long time, a long time coming. It has been. I wasn't sure if it was ever going to happen. Yeah. Well, I mean, you warmed yourself up with a guest appearance on the documentary. That's right. <laughs> you, you know what, though? Yeah. I honestly, I was kind of hesitant to ask um, my mom. Her name's Marie for everybody listening, but um, we'll just refer to her as my mom probably this entire conversation. Um, but yeah, I wasn't not, sure. Uh, yeah, we'll all say my mom. Yeah, everybody. Yeah. Well, I could say second mom. Yeah. <laughs> it won't get confusing at all when we just call you mom. <laughs> Especially if your mom happens to call yeah, during this yeah, episode yeah, and she makes right. an appearance. That's right. Um, but honestly, I, I wasn't I wasn't sure if I was going to ask you, mom, to be on the podcast. I know I brought it up a, a couple times, but I, I wasn't sure if you really wanted to do it. But then I was – I think I mentioned this to you guys, Taylor and Jer, maybe – Maybe a couple months ago, did I bring it up again? Yeah, and um, and I was just thinking, like, I I think I watched the documentary again, and I saw the conversation that that we had, mom, and and I thought, like, that was I think that was a really healthy thing to do for those who are listening who mm-hmm. who didn't see the the sick boy documentary, definitely check that out. Um, but the in that in the movie my mom and i have a conversation about her experience um with bladder cancer and that's what we're going to talk about today uh but that conversation in particular for me was like it was like uh a step towards like a more comfortable relationship with with you mom and your and your struggle with bladder cancer um but it's been a while now like that was almost what almost two years ago? Almost two years. Yeah. Was there a was there um, like a definitive time where if Brian asked you to do the sh- to to do the podcast where you would have been like hell no and obviously you're here now so if that was the case then when did that change and when did you like become think that maybe you want, would want to talk about it? Um, it. I'm still saying hell no, but I'm here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, because I was wondering why when Brian got here, you were over his shoulder, completely passed out. And then we just laid you on the couch here. And we've been sitting here for about, I'd say, what, like an hour and a half. You just came too. Yeah. We just wake up. We just finished splashing water on your face. Yeah. yeah. So I'm glad. I mean, it was really cute the way that you just kind of gradually woke up. Yeah. I'm glad you're yeah. awake now. Um, and uh, and now that the door is locked and you have no choice. Well, and we've taped this microphone to your, uh, to your okay. neck, which okay. is just, uh, just so in front of your mouth. Since that isn't what actually just happened, um, I'm curious, Mom, like what, like even though you're saying hell no inside, what what is it that, what is the reason that you decided to come and do this? Because it's important to you and to sick this is what sick boy is about yeah you know mm-hmm. how do we talk about illness how do we get comfortable enough to look at each other and really say how we feel yeah mm-hmm. and it's hard to do and you you, you find that hard eh? like i do talk find about it hard it. What, yeah. what do you think like what do you think that stems from is that just like your generation you know I, or like your upbringing i think a lot of it is yeah perhaps my upbringing 
afraid that I'm going to make other people uncomfortable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, for myself and Brian, I don't want Brian to be uncomfortable. He's my baby. Yeah, right. Right. We, yeah, sort of we protection protect, mode. Yeah. Even though you're not my baby anymore. Uh, mm -hmm. He still, still has that baby face, though. Oh, he yeah, does. he definitely yeah, does. He tried yeah. to grow a mustache. I can't yeah. tell if you're still trying to grow it or not. I asked <laughs> him the other, other day if he uh, used a little bit of uh, Sharpie or something. Yeah, <laughs> put a little <laughs> mascara through there okay. just, to, just to make it like semi-visible. Okay. Yeah, dude. Guys. I, yo, dude, Brian? I think Brian does. You know, I wouldn't put it past. I, mean, I saw Brian putting mascara on his armpit hair once, so my, I'm, my, I wouldn't put it past. My girlfriend likes it, so that's that's yeah. what's really important. That's what okay. matters. Now that was because that was that you you said something like really similar to when in the documentary was like that when you and Brian had that chat, you were like, I don't want to, I don't want to make, I don't want to stress you out. Like I don't want to, mm -hmm. I don't want to. If I get bad news, I don't want to, I don't want to give that bad news to you and then have you be worrying about it. Like. Like you, you, you just feel like it would be maybe not easier, but there's some type of like motherly protection built in there where you're going, well, if I just keep it to myself, like then it's only me that has to deal with it and I don't have to burden him. And so, exactly. and how, how did it, did that, I'm interested in like the motherly part of that because obviously he sat down and then said, well, no, like you should tell me. Yeah. Did that change or, or was the instinct still to, to, to hold on to it yourself? I think when when Brian said, you know, I, but I want you to talk to me, then you realize, okay, maybe I'm not doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm not really protecting him. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's, it makes it worse mm -hmm. when you don't tell people how you really feel, then they start thinking they know how you feel. Yeah, right. Yeah. Or, so then... Is it better? No, mm -hmm. you know it's, it's not better. It's really interesting because, like, I think in a lot of cases when people are uncomfortable about uh, having a conversation about a, a certain thing, um, it's not often that somebody will approach you to talk about it, and you'll be in that position to resist that. I guess. I guess what I'm kind of thinking is like in most cases, people don't want to talk about that at all. Yeah. So there's not not even one party is trying to encourage conversation. Right. Mm -hmm. So how <laughs> difficult is it to bridge that divide when not even one party is showing interest? Because it's, right. it was hard enough for us to engage in that conversation. Knowing that you co-host a show <laughs> that exactly. promotes talking about yeah. it, yeah. right? Yeah. Right. So, it, so it kind of, it kind of sheds a lot of light on this situation for me in the sense that like it is really fucking hard to talk about and for a lot of people like i know jerry like you with the rcf like it's evolved over yeah. the years but yeah, like yeah. you've over gotten time. to this point where it's 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 now comfortable well it's a practice thing you know mm -hmm. like it's something that you have to get used to and then start to uh you know like enjoy in a way or or find the you know find something find something within talking about it that makes you feel good or makes you uh, not not feel uncomfortable. The whole thing is that it makes you feel uncomfortable. But mom, right. you know? I, like uh, when we finished that conversation <laughs> with Andrew, um, and and they filmed that the the film guys were there for the for the documentary. When they left, um, do you remember like sitting in the kitchen and talking? Yeah. Like we talked for probably double the time that yeah. we did on on camera afterwards. And I remember like feeling really good about that afterwards. Yeah, because it opened it opened that door. Yeah, right. It right. was like the first conversation. It's taken that first step, right? 
Well, I face think, your fear. I think we literally have just taken the first step <laughs> into this conversation, mm-hmm. and I say we we get thing get real awkward and and just dive right into it because I I'm curious about your your story. I I want to like maybe let's take it right back to like the very the very even before the very beginning. Um, well, I'll tell you what I think is before the the very beginning because this is an interesting conversation for me because I'm yeah. like privy to a little bit more. Um, backstory than than normal um but mom i'm interested to know like even before you had cancer um your relationship with your mom um your mom mm-hmm. died of cancer when you were how old 29 29 oh, so wow. and i'm 29 now right yeah. so what type of role like what kind of cancer that... did, did she have breast cancer okay and so when you received your diagnosis and and we'll we'll go back to that whole story but like um how did your experience like what was it um or how did your mom kind of handle uh speaking to you about breast cancer when when she went through her her battle there there was no conversation like nothing she at really, all you know i have cancer yeah right and then that's where right. it ends but then uh she lived for uh, 12 years after her first diagnosis. So she went through treatments periodically. Mm-hmm. Um, she, it ended up in her ribs. and So it was an ongoing thing. But I didn't live at home. So she would go have her treatments and I would go to visit. But there was very little conversation about her illness about dying was it was, was her close. was her death a like a sudden unexpected thing or was it no it was it was sort of known that all right this is this is the process we're going through now yeah, yeah. Right. and and she was at home my dad looked after her for about 6 months she was bedridden at home and even then when i would go home she spoke very little about death yeah mm. yeah it was it was such a different time right yeah. like yeah it, you know there, yeah. there was this whole there was this whole mentality of like you don't want you don't want to make anyone uncomfortable you don't want the neighbors to know your business you don't want uh you know you don't want yeah. like you don't want your you don't want your children to know your business and there's like mm-hmm. nothing was discussed nothing was you, talked about it seems like like seem, it seems like maybe and this is again my my just my perception because <clears throat> I was born in 1990. So what the fuck do I know about 19, <laughs> whatever year you were born sometime? I'm assuming in the fifth, early or mid fifties. Yeah. <clears throat> um, you know, I'm a, I, I get the impression that like post, especially post world war two, the like landscape of, in North America of, of, of keeping things to yourself, being, being, a, being tough, uh, not showing emotion. I feel like we're just now over the past few years starting to like crack the surface of uh, uh, crack the shell of, of, of everything that's sort of been brewing over the last 50 mm-hmm. years in time, in terms of like how we communicate as a society and, and what the role of vulnerability or what the positive role of vulnerability can be. Yeah. Um, if you, if you sort of let it happen. And so, you know, I just feel like there's a lot of that from from that time, and then obviously, it, as the generations go, 
it it becomes a little bit like even though it like you look at what we're doing here yeah. and all you can look at it it might be hard to practice it but you look at it and you understand kind of what we do and what and the things that we're promoting i know that you're a huge supporter of it um Definitely. but you but you're a generation you're from a different generation. Yeah. So that probably plays a big role in how it's how challenging it is to talk about. However, when my mother passed, I had a lot of regret because I never said or we didn't have the conversations we should have had. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of things that were left unsaid. What would be the things that you would make sure didn't go unsaid if you could go back? I think the big thing is how much I really did care for. We had we had a mother and daughter, you know, teenage years mm-hmm. was not was not a great relationship. A tumultuous relationship <laughs> very, if you will. <laughs> very. <laughs> if you will. <laughs> we did get through a lot of that, but I think there were things that I had wanted to say to my mother that I didn't. Things like she thought that, you know, the most important thing in life for me was to get married and have babies. And no offense, Brian, but I kind of thought maybe there was more to life. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry. It's it's easy to say now that I have you and Dennis, right? Maybe. But at the time, that wasn't where I was at in my life. I I wasn't looking to get married and and have a family. Yeah. And, And... so there were lots of things that just were were on set. However, fast forward to my father's death, and he died of a brain tumor. But that was much more recently, too, like in the last yeah. 10 years. But there was not a word that was left on set. Right. You, you made sure not to make that mistake again. Yeah, mm. exactly. Right. And was that... Was, <clears throat> was that... <coughs> Was that present like the whole time through him, through his, like through the time that he went um, up until he died like that? And, Definitely. And, and how was he? Was he like very open with that or was it uh, was it more one sided on your end in terms of talking about it? Or was he receptive to that and reciprocal? He was he was receptive. Yeah. My dad was was a man before his time. Definitely. Mm-hmm. And he was very receptive and very open and. The day he died, I was sitting by his bed, and he, if he could have spoke, he probably would have told me to be quiet <laughs> because I just couldn't right. stop. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah, I've never known you to talk, Marie. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> That's weird. Um, go ahead, Brian. Um, I was I was just thinking that I had an interesting um, thought. I'm wa- I'm I'm wondering because um, it seems like you learned this like profound lesson through the experience with your mom and then you were able to you know take that learning apply it to the the death of of grampy of your dad um but then you get cancer and like the obviously you hear the word cancer and people think "Uh oh like this could be this could be it um but then you didn't want to talk to me about some things because you wanted to protect me is it is there two conversations that can happen? Like the conversation that you're talking about wanting to have with your mom is like telling her how much you love her. And that that's like right. an emotional connection. Right. You don't have to talk about, you know, how is treatment going to have that type of conversation, right? Yeah. Um, but at the same time, there is 
like it's almost like opening up the door and, and actually going into talking about the treatment and talking about the possibility of of dying. It almost it's almost like that leads to the conversations about like what are you really feeling? Like what like how do you what do you want to say before, you know, we're no longer here to share this time together? Um, so it's weird. I'm kind of having, do you guys, do you guys follow me? Like I'm kind of having these two schools of thought where there's like the conversation about the actual illness, but then all the things that you don't want to leave unsaid. Mm -hmm. Um, but do they go hand in hand? Can you have one of those conversations without the other? Mm. And, uh, I'm, I'm curious, mom, like to go back to the kind of the main question that I was asking there is like, is, did you reflect back at all on, on those lessons that you learned from, both the deaths of your mom and, and dad and, and feel like you were trying to apply that in any way to um, our relationship? I don't know that I was. I think it's pretty I think, hard. I think for me at the time, it's it's very, I look back and it's very surreal. And it's like, wow, did that really happen to me? Mm. And you just, I just lived through it, but it was just survival. And all as I could think about was get through the treatment, uh, get through the surgery, get through recovery. There's so just much, keep, yeah, there's, there's like, so much there's weight to the entire experience you know well i guess let's let's like, like you... go back to the start of like your actual experience with with cancer and and uh at the time i had just moved home this is about three years ago um i had just moved home from living in dubai and it almost seemed like we had we had gone on this trip together uh at the end of at, at the end of my adventures in dubai taylor you were there we went to peru we went to bolivia uh, mom and I I was gonna um, I'm go, so glad that you took it there because I was like when you said oh, I moved home from Dubai I was like no go back a little bit further because yeah. <laughs> we went on this amazing um, like amazing adventure that we all shared together we we went to Peru to your yoga te- uh, yoga uh, retreat Taylor and we did this amazing um, hike along the Inca Trail um, mom, you'd you'd trained a little bit leading up to it, so you could you can handle that. Tell your parents were there too. Yeah. Squats, back squats. And, uh, Marie stepped in my ship. <laughs> I did. Oh no! Yeah, but it was oh, this no. incredible experience. That's and, probably and... where the cancer came from. Guys. <laughs> uh, yeah, really. Honest. It's yeah. your fault. No, it, um, mom. Like I've always I've always kind of thought of you as this adventurous soul um, because I had known that you had like lived in in uh, the Cayman Islands when you were younger and and had had this kind of desire to travel, but like you kind of traded that in to be a stay at home mom and like, and like bring Dennis and I up. So when we went on this trip together to Peru, it was, it was amazing. And and then you and I, uh, afterwards did a couple of days in Bolivia and it was, it was such an amazing trip. And then it almost seemed like you had kind of gotten this, this like travel bug again. And, uh, you were already going through your ESL teaching courses and, you kind of quit this job that was harder on on your body and for something that would be something that would be more sustainable and you you um packed your things up and and very shortly after I moved home you moved to China to take a teaching position which is such an extreme move China <laughs> yeah, you know, a 60 like, year old woman yeah too, like, it's super badass and I get it. my my mom yeah. my mom kind of went through like a similar thing where she left she left like 
the thing that she'd been doing since I'd known her and like was like, I'm going to open a yoga studio. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. But to move to China, like that, what, why China? Was there a reason for China? Uh, I guess when I, when I took the ESL course, like I knew I wanted to, to travel a bit and ESL was a way to do it. So originally I was looking at Taiwan. Right. For some reason, Taiwan just was calling me, right? I'm going there in like four months. (laughs) And (laughs) the reason I didn't pursue Taiwan was you had to go to Taiwan before you could get a job. You couldn't, there was no Skype interviews or they didn't hire unless you were there. Interesting. And I just all the options, it was like, okay, Taiwan, China. Japan, mm. but China just intrigued me, right. and there's so much I'm history, very, and it's such a mm-hmm. uh, interesting culture. It's I'm very fascinated so, by China. Yeah, it's I, uh, I I can't even explain it. I feel like it gets bogged down in um, in sort of the well, obviously the political landscape mm-hmm. of China mm-hmm. is you know you think you that sort of clouds. I think what you what what you'd actually experience as a person mm-hmm. there. It's like, you know, you hear of, of Russia being Russia, but it's like you go to Moscow. Jerry, you've been to Moscow. It's like, yeah. it's cool. It's a fucking cool place. And, you know, the, yeah. you know, it's not like you're feeling, it's not like you're walking by Putin screaming some crazy shit if you go to <laughs> Moscow. You know what I mean? That's not how it is. It's There's a culture there, and it's cool. And there's also, like, amazing mountainous terrain and wildlife in China. Like, it's a massive country. And it's China is a beautiful country. It's very much Ma- like Canada in the way that it, it spans, very, like, massive, a massive, uh, a, a really eclectic range of climates yeah. and, 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 and landscapes and everything. What was that experience like to go from Dartmouth, Nova Scotia to... Uh, <laughs> Where were Chengshu, you? Chung, which is you made about... that up. Come on, where, where were you? Chengshu. You could have said anything, yeah. and we yeah. would have believed you. Yeah, Xingxiao, and it's like, okay, <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, that is a near, place near Shanghai. Probably. Okay. Near yeah, Shanghai. yeah. I love their noodles. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Known for its noodles in Chengshu. Okay. Sweet. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, it was well. I remember sitting in the Toronto airport waiting to get on my flight to China and thinking, and all of a sudden, which was very interesting, I am surrounded by Chinese people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. Because we're going to Shanghai. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there and I'm going, oh, what am I done? Yeah, right. What am I doing? Am I crazy? Mm-hmm. And I was like, I just hope they really have someone meeting me in Shanghai. Right. Because if not, I'm in trouble. Did you just feel like mega alone at that point? Yeah, I felt pretty like, oh no, is this another bad judgment call? Surrounded by pe- <laughs> surrounded by people who first having twins, now going to Xingxu, <laughs> China. I mean, it can be. I mean, uh, you know, we if especially if you travel a lot, you 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 it, it you you get a little bit more desensitized to it because you're you're a little bit more used to it. But if you're a first time traveler and you go to another place where it's like oh all of a sudden you're the one that looks different from everybody and you're the one who doesn't speak the language and you're the one who 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 everyone's going 
well, why can't they just get it right? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. like you're that person all of a sudden that, and we take that for granted, obviously, because we live where we live and, and, and it, it, it's other people that have that issue here, not us. Um, and, and they and, have that issue because you are standing there, Taylor, you, and yeah, you're going, why can't you just get it right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I fucking just, I scream that foreigner. at everybody and they never seem to get it. Um, yeah, but I've, I've been in that position and it feels, you feel so alone and you feel like, you know, all eyes on me and, um, it can be really, it can be really scary. However, it can also be really exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it can. That's yeah. what I was just going to say. It, yeah. You know, and at the same time I'm going. Well, you know what? If it was, if it's a bad judgment call, I can always get on a plane and yeah. come home. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So you because you're only a, you're only a, a, a plane, plane trip away. That's away. Right. Yeah, a, pl- a right. flight away. Yeah. So you get there, and and you know, obviously, it takes a little bit of time to get <laughs> uh, acquainted with the new, a new city, a new culture. Um, but you, from what I from what I gathered when I you know talking to Brian and and hearing about your travels over there, it was like you sort of settled into a nice little. Groove. I loved it. Yeah, you it were was really great. into it. Yeah, it was great. I, the Chinese people were so welcoming, and so helpful, and I just it was great. It would have been nice to hear a little bit of English. But yeah, sure. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that got tiresome. Uh, yeah, after a while. aside from like, the one voice in your own head. Yeah, yeah, yeah right, sure. Aside from the like in school, but, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it the city I was in very little English, mm-hmm. so that was that was a challenge. But so, know, at what point while you were over there? Like, how long were you there before things started to? Um, seem a little bit of off. Seem a little bit of weird with your health. Uh, in June, I had blood in my urine. Yeah, right. So off to the hospital I went to the uh, doctor and. How long had you been there for? Uh, since November, first part of November. So you'd you'd actually just Six, um, either months. signed or tried to. You were in the process of signing a contract in, for renewal, right? In June, they yes, I was. They were starting to talk to me about would I like to come back for another year, and because mm-hmm. you were coming up on your first, like n- nearing your first. Yeah, year they w- they would they needed to apply for my visa, right? So, you know, we were making arrangements then to start the process so I could get another visa to stay for another year. Mm-hmm. And so I had blood in my urine. So was it like a little bit of blood, or was it like you were um, just pissing blood? The, no, it was. A fair amount, right? Sure. Amount. I don't think I've ever had a blood in my piss. I haven't either, yeah. but I can imagine it be incredibly scary. But that can be an infection. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, like mm-hmm. that. That's like a like bladder infection. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which which I know, uh, I know. I, well, I've noticed that like with Bridie and Becca, like women t- seem yeah. to get them a, yeah. much more well, UTIs yeah. left untreated can become right. yeah. bladder infections, which yeah. is way more serious than yeah. a UTI. Right, sure, yeah. sure, gotcha. So I spent, uh, from June, I didn't come home until the end of August. So from June, I I would go to the doctor, they would do a urine test, It then it would, they would give me antibiotics and it would seem to clear up a bit, and then it would come back. So and what's I, the what's the language barrier? Oh, big! T- yeah, I, I had to take uh, 
one of the tutors from our school. They were Chinese tutors. Yeah. They would come to the hospital with and me. And translate for you. Because, and it was difficult because their translation mm. or their English wasn't that great. Right, sure, so, sure. So then trying to get medical information translated yeah. became an issue. But eventually They're I like, went You need to, to have your leg taken off i mean they need to they need to i take mean, blood from your leg sorry my bad yes. we, we mean it's bladder cancer sorry. that's it's what we meant but eventually because my urine the counts weren't going down the way they should they eventually did an ultrasound and i had two ultrasounds nothing showed up i finally met a specialist who was younger and he could speak better english which was reassuring did that did that provide you some comfort considering like you're also because you're in addition to the fact that like you're also you know relying on somebody who is not like a doctor or medical professional who is now privy privy to like your personal and confidential information yeah 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 that's weird but nothing's personal in china because when you go to the doctor in china there is they interview in the waiting room yeah there's like 15 20 people all just Standing around saying, hey. No, really? She's got blood in her urine. What? I wonder what's wrong with her. (laughs) However. There's no room. There's no room. It was. No. It's just just one one big room. What happens is. We need a urine sample. Just stand in the middle of the floor here. And then uh, everybody look here (laughs) and go. (laughs) How far can you get? How far can you get? Quite that bad. But uh, getting a urine sample in China is. Not the most fun either because right, you sure. do it over a trough. Oh mm. whoa! Well, I pee in tro- I pee in troughs like basically daily. Really. Yeah, well, squatting over one isn't. Yeah, I guess. Fun. Yeah, right. <laughs> right sure, yeah, we sure. don't have to do yeah. that. So, so it. Anyway, long story short, finally they do a CT scan, and the day I have my CT scan, my boss from work came with me, and. That was an experience. I'd never had a CT scan. We're all lined up, about 150 people. There's this big metal door, and the door opens, and they're, like, waving. The technicians are beckoning you, quick, 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 or whatever they were saying in Chinese. I didn't understand. And meanwhile, there's, like, the person who's jumping off of the table is pulling up their pants, and they're running out, and they're saying, come, 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 come. And or whatever, whatever. Oh, and so uh, they do the scan. So they're just pumping out like like a hundred CT scans a day. Like maybe it's not very private, but I can tell you they they get it done. Sounds like Canada has something to learn. Yeah, great. Hundred fifty CT scans in probably two hours. Holy fuck, dude! (laughs) That's so crazy. Like Canada's got like thirty-five million people. It's like you go in, you need a CAT scan. They're like, hey, it's going to be eight months in China. They're like, hey, there's. 1.5 1.5 billion, and you can get a CAT scan right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I saw the doctor. In that queue right there, and you're, you're in. I saw the doctor, and within two days, CT scan. Holy moly. Within 20 minutes, the results. Holy Whoa. fuck. Well, I mean, you know, it's taking a picture. And, like, yeah. you know, it's like a Polaroid, yeah. basically. That's crazy. It makes you think. I'd be very curious to know. They don't read because, them. They just give them to you. Because, <laughs> obviously, yeah, they're like, figure it out yourself. And it's in Chinese. And so <laughs> I, I'd be very curious to know what the, what, 
like why they are able to do that because there's obviously differences in the medical system. I mean, clearly. Well, I, I jumping on and off of a CT scan table, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I'd be, Just, I mean, yeah. they obviously yeah. have yeah. systems in place, but, and they're but. That being said, the way we do it here is just they're at one end and we're at the other end. Like there must be a balance there. Yeah. yeah. You can right. move people through right. a little quicker than we do here, but maybe not quite as quick as they do in China. Right. Yeah. 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 Right. Obviously, you're giving something up when yeah. you're t- for the sake yeah. of speed. So, I mean, whatever that is. Quality like, is control. It, is it okay? Yeah. And is yeah. there a quality control issue? Yeah. And blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I mean, I'd be curious to know what it is. If anybody knows how that system in China actually works. Yeah. works and why they're able to do that then let us know it's i was impressed actually like yeah by yeah. by the way they move people through and and i believe that their their doctors like it's good care mm-hmm. right i think they know what they're doing well you know i and and it's 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 a it's the way the systems are put together and they work because i think we i think that we get caught up and not to go too off but i think they, we get caught up in in the way that we think, well, North America is this quote unquote first world, you know, really developed and, you know, we, we know what we're doing and we know how to do it. And just for, on the example of a vet, I took a dog home from Morocco. I went into a, a, a vet in Marrakesh and I was like, I'm in a fucking legit hospital. This place is a well-oiled machine. It's beautiful. Every, like everyone is taking care of these animals and me and the customers and everything so well. I went in, I asked the guy to do 10 things he charged me a hundred dollars, and it was done. The, it was it was done, like right there, no questions asked. And it's like the system for the same thing in Halifax would be all right. Well, you have to book an appointment, and, blah, blah, blah. and it's like, well, what's the, the where's the where's the middle ground mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. between those two things? Yeah, yeah that's a good question. Mm-hmm. Sick Boy Podcast. We'll be right back after this word from our sponsors. Hi, I'm Jesse Crookshank. Jesse Crookshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Anyway. Um, Mom, I'm interested to know, like, um, at this time, cause, so you go to the hospital a few times in, yeah. in China and like, there's a number of tests and, and obviously you know that there's still blood in your urine. Like, what are your thoughts and feelings around this? Like being, being there in that foreign system, how do you, how'd that make you feel? I just kept saying it's an infection and it's going to go away. You were like, you convince yourself of that? I, I didn't want to... I didn't want to go to the other place. Right. Like, was it creeping in and you were just it choosing? Was, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was creeping in. And then when they did the CT scan and my boss came with the doctor to give me the result, mm. I knew then. I just looked at my boss and I went, it's not good, is it, Jackie? So he, so how he, do you say cancer in Chinese? I have no idea. Alexa, <laughs> how do you say cancer in Chinese? Cancer in Chinese is I Jung. I Jung. Man, Alexa, <laughs> dude, she's fucking Alexa. Go to sleep. She's you, amazing. You can learn another language. 
<laughs> what did she say? Um, I don't know. I, so she, you can't say her name, man. It's. Can you imagine if your wife's name was Alexa? <laughs> oh my god, that'd be such a fucking pain in the ass. Um, uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm kind of interested. In you this have part. them both talking you to you all the time. Um, <laughs> the so, so you just said that like at that point you. "Quote unquote," like new, like uh, you kind of. Well, uh, you were pretty certain. They didn't tell you at that point. No, they just they, they just came in and said you should go back to Canada. Right, <laughs> oh, because well, no. okay, so and and yeah. that's when and, you know it's not good. And yeah. at this point, like, you should this leave point, our country. You had and to to like kind of give um, everybody else who's hearing this a little bit of like backstory on this. Like w- we we were talking throughout this time. You you had called Dennis and I and both mm-hmm. said and said to both of us like hey guys like I do I had a little bit of blood in my urine yeah. it might be an infection I'm on these antibiotics it didn't really clear up and we knew it was kind of still there so we it's not like we didn't talk about anything throughout oh, this no. entire process yeah. like you you would always tell us when you're going yep. to appointments and things like that mm-hmm. um, I think where you were less forthcoming was when you would go and get results and I don't know if it was the fact that like you just didn't want to like have to repeat all the details or go through or if it was a, a a bit of like also trying to protect us quote unquote too I didn't have a lot of details right. because I didn't really understand well not not initially yeah. not until yeah. you got back to Canada but yeah. but um yeah. you you didn't you didn't say to either Dennis or I as, as far as I know and Dennis is my twin brother but you didn't say to us when you were leaving China that you were fairly certain at that point that it was yeah. cancer However, you did say what you just said, um, that they told you that you should go back to Canada. So, like, I know Dennis and I spoke during that time, and we're like, oh, fuck. Like, it must be bad if they're telling you that. Yeah. Or bad enough that... And I guess, hindsight, they knew that whatever was in my bladder was... A mass. A mass, and that... I don't know if they could tell for sure, but it was in the muscle wall of my bladder, which is not a good thing. Yeah. So did you have to come home and get a biopsy? Yeah, I came home and... How quick did you leave after they said that? Like Within a week. Oh, fuck. Whoa. Yeah. So like you were like, I had just signed a contract for a year. I, I was originally planning to come home for three weeks, like, because my my year was going to be up and I was taking a month off and I was going to come home for three weeks right? and go back. Kind of reset, Re- head back. Yeah. yeah so sure. I just ended up coming home a little sooner and very quickly. Right. And so, so you, you got, to. you got, yeah, I guess so. I mean, yeah, especially Can't if they, they tell you, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you got home and then did you just like, were you, was it sorry. like wasted no time? Sorry, before you, you go into that part, I do want to uh, ask another question just before we leave like this whole kind of part about China. Um, before we started recording, Jerry, you and I were sitting in here talking to my mom and we we mentioned China and you said China's hard for me to talk about. Oh, yeah. Um, what makes that hard to talk about? And and how do you feel about what we just discussed? It's hard to talk about because I, I, it was just a really, I was in a really good place when I was in China. Mm-hmm. Um, life brings a lot of shit sometimes. 
We're not allowed um, to swear on this podcast, I'll, actually. Uh, well, just not fuck fucking you. do that. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, don't put that in. <laughs> That'll be it. <in. laughs> yeah, that's it. Uh, so I think I I went to China and it was so great. I loved it. I loved what I was doing. I loved teaching. And then boom. Yeah. You feel mm-hmm. robbed, like it, you got robbed. I felt you know, cheated, robbed of, and I yeah. still find it really. I and I'm not proud of this. And if anyone that I met in China listens to the podcast, maybe Nola, uh, I'm really sorry I haven't been in touch. I just yeah. find it really hard. Yeah. Well, they don't speak English anyway, so I, yeah. There you go. Yeah, oh. Easy peasy. Um, <laughs> but I get that. Like think... I get that, that that is hard. You know, mm. it's hard to yeah. to. I mean, I I can relate in ways that I I in my own ways that are very different from what you're talking about. But I get, you know, what what that feels like to be limited, to be stripped from like mm. potential. Um, opportunity or experiences that you were really looking forward to because because you fucking had blood in your your, yeah because shit happens exactly and (laughs) that that is I get why that would be hard and 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 why it would be hard to even like even talk to the people that you know you left behind yeah it's it's all a reminder yeah yeah but I'm starting to understand now why I feel that way or felt that way. So it's time to work on fixing that. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe this is getting, maybe this is actually served better at towards the end. And you can tell me if you want, but I, I, I do want to ask if you feel like it might be somewhere where you'd be able to get back to or to go and teach ESL again, or is that something that's you feel is kind of come and gone and, and you don't want to pursue anymore or. Uh, China's probably not an option. And it is just that medically medically so you're yeah. like where you are in your health you just don't think that that's like is it is it a proximity thing like you don't want to be too far away if some if you if you or or that you you're in the place right now where you have to get or is it like a medical supply thing i, I think you know? uh china is not an option first of all because it's extensive medical to get a visa oh yeah right <laughs> and right. even if i could get a visa uh, I mean, I'm sure I could get medical supplies. You can order everything online, mm-hmm. but well, it all, it's all coming from, from China from anyway. It's like <laughs> yeah, you fucking, yeah. You to pay two cents for shipping. Yeah. <laughs> but it's more about the language and yeah, uh, being able to communicate if something would something. go wrong. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I feel limited in my travel in some respect. So. Um, I, I don't know ESL somewhere else you never know yeah. I'm gonna retire where it's warm though mm. so I have to figure out where and I guess there's a whole bunch of stuff like within that that we kind of just touched on like medical supplies and all this stuff that is is kind of further down the line in terms of your story so you get you you get home and you start going through the the process of of being told that mm-hmm. or finding out for sure mm-hmm. that it's a so that it's bladder cancer and what was what was that process? I came home. I immediately went. Actually, I think Brian made me an appointment with the family doctor before I got home. Mm-hmm. Was it you? Yeah. yeah. And, sorry, I can't remember. <laughs> um, so the next day I went to the doctor. 
And you and had a copy of your CT scans from China for them to like read. God love them. They gave me the CT scans cool. on Wonderful. film. Yeah, <laughs> sweet. That's like two hundred bucks here. Did you have to pay for it? No. I think that you gotta you gotta yeah. pay a pretty penny for that here. Ultrasound anyway. thirty dollars. They give you the copy. But anyway, um, <laughs> so I I went to the, my family doctor. And he was very freaked out. So he was going to set me up with a urologist. Um, but in the meantime, I have a very good friend who works in the hospital at the infirmary. And she knew a radiologist. And I was having a problem getting a CT scan appointment quickly. So she talked to her radiologist doctor and told him I had CT scans on film from China. Would he like to see them? Oh, and he was like, oh, and yeah. And he was like, bring them in. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. That's, I mean, that's some solid currency in the hospital. Yeah. Isn't it so funny to go from China where literally you were shuffled down a hallway <laughs> the day that you wanted a CT scan and they're like, it's like, well, now you're in Canada. It's like, you're going to have to wait six months. <laughs> yeah. So, so anyway, long story short, I went in. He looked at them. Uh, I don't know how it all happened. But anyway, I had an appointment with a urologist in like a week and a half when originally it was going to be about four weeks. Yeah, okay. that's awesome. Sweet. So it's good to know people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well... Yes, it is. And then, yeah. and then that was that the radiologist that ultimately like was the one to say to you that was that the first time that you heard? No, some... no. See, he they didn't oh, right, tell you have me to biopsy anything. it too. Yeah. So then I went to the urologist. It's such a fucking process. It's a process. I had uh, a cystoscope done and a biopsy done. But they moved me through pretty quickly, which was another sign that maybe things yeah. weren't so great. I mean, right. it's like a, it's it's a it's bittersweet because yeah, it's like you get shoved. It's almost like you'd almost in Canada if it takes a long time, it's probably because they don't think it's serious. that serious. Yeah. yeah, but when it speeds up, it's like oh, I'm speeding up. But so I was about a month, just over a month, month and a half maybe, from the time I got home till. We were sitting in an office and they said, you have cancer and we're taking your bladder. Oh, so they were just like, we're taking that fucker out. Yeah, like you don't. And I just there was no option at him. Well, I just a a tumor or anything like that. It was like, let's just take the whole bladder out because it was in the muscle Muscle wall wall. Um, And I looked at the urologist and said, well, I'm sorry, you're not having my bladder because I'm not having a piss bag. Yeah, right. You know, I don't want to offend anyone, but that was how I felt. Yeah. But was he like, was he like, well, there's more than one option than just a piss bag. And he was great. Yeah. He just looked at me and said, no one said you need to have a piss bag because you have other options. What are the other options? Uh, An Indiana poach or a neobladder. And I chose the Indiana poach. They're both bladders that they build you from your bowel. Whoa! What? Yeah, crazy. Wow. This so is they it. take like bowel wall. They take like they take they like, take like the ilium. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, wait. Your no, your ilium's ilium is the part of a part of your bowel because that's what they make the stoma out of. That's my understanding. Right. Sure. I might be wrong here, but that's my understanding. It has to do with the ilium, and that's how they make your stoma. Oh my god, dude! And they build you a bladder on the inside. 
then the, you have three options when you have bladder cancer and they're taking it. You have an ostomy, which is a bag on the outside. It's a pee bag, mm-hmm. yeah. And that's, have, and that's like the easiest that's option That's the too. easiest, uh, probably has the least complications for surgery. Mm-hmm. However, you live with a bag. And you gotta, yeah, you got to empty a, a right. bag of urine yeah. every yeah. Like, whatever. So then they have the Indiana poach, which is what I have. That's like the middle of the road. Yeah, you have ostomy, which is like your, uh, I can't remember how he described it. It's like your base like model. Like a Corolla. Like, like yeah. A, yeah. It's like your base model, no options. Yeah. Uh, roll down, you got you to gotta roll yeah. down the yeah. windows. Yeah. You yeah. got to lock your door with the key. Yeah. And then you have an Indiana poach, which they build on the inside. And then they have a neobladder. The difference is. Neobladder's got a sunroof. Yeah, neobladder bladder is like the dual climate control, <laughs> fully loaded. <laughs> yeah, passenger seat has electric uh, yeah. control. Yeah. However, the neobladder is more complicated. The surgery, well, it makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. And there can be. It was my understanding. There's more things that can go wrong. Is the neobladder just like a, a neobladder? Like, you, you just pee normal. They like rebuild your they entire They rebuild the whole, whole thing. New system. However, with a neobladder, you must catheter the bladder <clears throat> once a day. <sighs> because the word through, your, through, <laughs> through the pee pee hole? Through the pee pee hole. Oh. So, men oh. or women, like that's the <sighs> thing. You, you go to the bathroom normal, but you must catheter once a day. To completely empty the bladder because they worry about infection. Oh my god, right? man! Once a day catheter, once a day. So I'm kind of like, ooh, once a day catheter. Well, whatever. So then you were leaning towards that because, whatever. like, we oh we talked god. pretty we talked pretty openly about these mm. options yeah. and like, and you asked me what I thought what my opinion would be, and you went into detail on like the three kind of options, and we were we were leaning towards. The neobladder, like the the full man, full I'd meal deal. I'd take the yeah. bag over the like the idea of catheterizing myself is well. How much different is it for a woman to have a catheter than a man? I, I really don't, don't know. Well, it's just easier to see the hole if you're a man, right? <laughs> yes, I, man. I'm telling you, I wouldn't be able to do it. I just couldn't I really be able to do picture it. myself trying to yeah. catheter yeah. But once a day. I just but, couldn't do it. So you went, you went with the Indiana poach. Um, yeah. which, which is what, what is that? Okay. So they, so they make a bladder out of your bowel, right? And they put a stoma in my stomach. So stoma is basically my, a, a hole. Yeah, it's it's a little hole. Yeah. It's, it actually, the stoma I have, it looks like a, almost like a little cherry. A little butthole. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like a, a it looks like, like a cat bum or something. Yeah, a little cat butt. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. What can I say? But yeah. anyway, so, and for some people, they, you can have it done through your belly button, but there can be issues with that. So anyway, I took the, I you were be, I took the that's little, a little tacky. I took so the little I, I cherry. Could. And um, so now... When I go to the washroom, I use a catheter, but... But you don't put it through your pee-pee hole. No, I you don't. You just put it through your stoma hole. I just put it through the stoma. I could right. do that. The catheter is I 16 think. inches long. 
Oh, 16 fuck, inches? Holy shit. <laughs> Too much inches? information. That is no, exactly it's... that is exactly the length of my penis. And that is <laughs> and that is a that's a long. Oh, that's God. A big, long. That's so long. long. That's big. That's too long. Yeah, that's too, that's long. too much. That's, that's what every much. woman's ever told you. Yeah. yeah. That's way a, too long. Yeah. Yeah. Get away from me. Yeah. Long and very skinny. Uh very, very yeah. skinny. Just well, like a catheter. Yeah, my catheter is very skinny. Yeah, yeah. Same, so is mine. So how does it work? How does a catheter work? Is it I mean, 16 I, inches wouldn't that just poke out the back of your fucking like yeah spine? you have to understand that the poach sits like on the uh, well we don't have a camera like so sitting against you. the wall of your stomach like, it's the sort of it's very small the poach is very small in the beginning so in the beginning you have to catheter like every hour holy shit every hour and a half because you just you, because it's like it's very small, and then the poach expands and grows. Right. So now at night, sometimes I can go for like six hours of sleep without like, uh, getting up. It's like when oh, you get a, it's like when you get a puppy, and you, you just yeah, you exactly. Gotta, you you're training the, the bladder. You're just training your bladder. You're training the yeah, bladder. Yeah. Exactly what you're doing. That's cute. Do you take it for walks and stuff too? Like, well, the, I don't what know. What kind of treats do you feed? <laughs> teach it to sit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Give paws. So yeah. that's and I pee standing up now. <laughs> so oh, oh actually nice. like you just uh, so do, do you is it when you pee are you are you just aiming this like straw essentially like the catheter like at, or are you peeing from the belly like I pee from my belly oh so you it don't just, like have a, a thing that extends out that you kind of like point oh yeah yeah well the catheter like has put the catheter, the catheter has a little a little kind of cup on the end of like for lack like of a better word funnel sure oh, it's okay like a funnel. but it's not yeah. like long or anything like that it's not like a you don't like the it's catheter. A, it's the, sixteen inches long, but, but it goes but inside. The funnel is very short, like about yeah, an inch. That's what I mean. Like on the outside, there's not inch like an attachment that you sort of no. guide so what to the toilet. Happens is when I catheter, I probably would insert the catheter about maybe halfway yeah. before the urine will start to come out. Yeah. So I would just kind of stand there like a long like, penis, like, yeah, like, and yeah. just pee. And How's your aim? Uh, it's pretty it's, shitty, dude. I'm always like, really mom, bad. mom, you peed on the seat again. I'm like the only guy who's like, mom, me. you peed on the seat. <laughs> That's so funny. So um, then the urine will stop. So you just keep inserting the catheter to completely empty Whoa, the bag. Crazy. Right? Have you, have you uh, spelled your name in snow yet? No, I, I need to figure out a way to get more pressure behind it. Oh, good, right. <laughs> sure. Right. right. It's not enough pressure. Well, you got to wait uh, seven hours, guys, I think. Uh, yeah. I think that we've got a medical innovation here. Yeah. <laughs> we could design, we could design a catheter yeah. a pump. specifically for... The Indian, the, the you know Indiana what, Indiana you know what, Olympics, you yeah. know what, yeah. competitive peeing. Don't even think about that. Just think about. It. You're right. Someone needs to develop a better catheter for an Indiana. Pump. Yeah, a catheter that really? has a little bit of like really. Like, I'm serious here. I'm so serious. Water pressure. So honestly, um, we should cut that out and do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm um, serious. Um, I'm serious. One of the so we're talking again. There was the three options, and I remember specifically uh, there was this guy that you were you spoke to who had the, the neobladder, like the full fledged thing, and he was like more or less saying it was a good idea, but um, immediately. So when you had made your decision to get the Indiana poach, you were like pretty confident that you had made the right decision up until you got to put in, and then for the first probably couple months, maybe. Like I, I remember there being some pretty 
uh, difficult moments for you where you were like, did I make the wrong fucking decision? Like, is this not working? Because like at first it was really difficult to get the catheter in. And there was like a number of times where you actually had to go to the hospital Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and try to get. Was that just, was that like just a a learning curve or were there complications? Uh, Well, I did. Some of it was a learning curve. Yeah. Um, but I did get septus. Oh, yeah, that's not good. Ooh. So we talked about this. Yeah. Yeah, Fraser. Yes, Fraser had sepsis. Yeah, we talked about this. Which Almost. I didn't even know what that was. <laughs> right. Until it happened. It's like it's it's, it's, it's basically like it's a like degree not of infection. Good. It's a degree of infection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. a high high degree mm-hmm. of infection. So that was that was from the Indiana poach, like kind of like a little bit of rejection initially, or it was what happened was I was having. I was having difficulty learning to catheter my pouch. And it's not just a simple matter. You think, okay, put the catheter in, go straight down. You have to, it's almost like a corkscrew, the track in the pouch. So you have to kind of learn to twist and help the catheter find its way. And I was having a lot of difficulty with that. In the beginning, and I was very tender in the beginning, so it it just wasn't a very pleasant experience for a number of months, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And um, anyway, I just I lost my train of thought. The, sorry. Then the other infection, or like, and so because I was having a problem, they decided that maybe there was something not quite right, and I went in and I had a. a scope put down and they checked it out to make sure everything was okay and I don't know if I can say this here but they think I got my infection from the OR whoa whoa! I don't know if you you can say that here you you think that because I was very upset when I found out you know, I had an infection. Like, what did I do wrong? Oh my God, I wasn't cleaning my. Yeah. I wasn't doing things right. Oh. And they're like, no, nah, it was us. Was but this from my the, doctor? Uh... Just said it's not anything you did. They brought in the infectious disease people because mm-hmm. they couldn't figure out what the infection was, and then afterwards, he did say to me, "I think you might have got it in the hospital." Right. Was this yeah. was this the same was this the same event where? You went to the hospital and they were like, they wouldn't give you the pain because they thought that you might just be trying to get. So, the pain. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, so I brought yeah. this up the other day. We've Mom, talked about that. Um, I, I brought it up yeah. on the podcast the other day because it was one of these really weird moments for me. Um, I went with, with you to the hospital a couple of times and this night was fucked. Like you were in an insane amount of pain. Yeah, I was like, like making like guttural like sounds on on the drive over like kind of like wailing almost and i remember you dropped me off at a at a party that night would you drop me off at at uh kyla's sister's place yeah yeah yeah. brian just happened to come home and i i knew i had a fever and i was just kind of like wow and i took it like i was watching it and then it went to 38 and they're saying well if it gets to 38 and you go to the hospital yeah and you're like hey brian can you take me to the hospital i'm like sorry yeah sure marie but we're making a pit stop at this party that brian's dropped me (laughs) yeah that that is true i did but you know what it was it was honestly that was payback for when 
my appendix was about to burst, <laughs> don't, and I drove man. all your friends home. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, that's another story. Uh, so anyway, I drove you to the hospital, and um, you were in some serious pain. And when we got there, they weren't. There wasn't really a sense of urgency, was there? No. And how even long... though you're like I had cancer. And yeah. it, was it was a very weird. It was very weird. Yeah. But I had been in the hospital uh, probably three or four times within a couple weeks, and maybe they're just tired of seeing me. I don't well, know. and right, and so you had <laughs> right because you had gone in a couple times because there was some of those complications with you trying to get the catheter to work, and you were also experiencing some pain then. And there it was kind of- a lot of pain because initially, when the pouch is is growing. It is there's muscle spasms, yeah. so that's where a lot of the pain was coming from. Mm-hmm. What are these what, muscle spasms? How do you remember? How do you remember that once we got into the hospital, um, and then they put you they put you kind of into this like almost like holding room. <laughs> yeah. Um, what do you remember happening? Uh, or like feel what? How did you feel like the vibe was of? I felt like they thought. I wanted pain medication. Yeah, they just you were for the junkie. sake yeah. of getting the pain medication because yeah. they kept saying, "Well, where's your pain?" And I, I was explaining where the pain was, and the pl- pain was not in my Indiana pouch; it was in my back and in my hips, and it didn't make sense to me either. But they kept going, "Well, why do you think the pain's there? Like, what?" I don't understand. Where's your pain? And you're like, I and don't I'm know. I'm not the going. doctor. I want to see the doctor. And, yeah. <laughs> but it just seemed like they really didn't care. Yeah. And <laughs> and it was it was weird for me because on the drive over, obviously, I'm thinking, holy fuck, my mom's in a lot of pain. And then we get into the hospital and I'm like, holy fuck, like they need to do something about this. And then you started being like, I just give me something for the pain like they were like the doctor will be here in a bit and you're like I, I don't care right now just like give me something for the pain and then that was when they like I kind of like read into them being well she's she's just she just wants the pain medication but there was a moment where I was like holy fuck does mom just want pain medication but there was this like kind of weird you, like even you thought well it but it was weird because like they because that's what you were they were them. dismissing like Be- maybe and I thought about this after maybe because the pain was not anywhere like I wasn't complaining about my Indiana post yeah I was having pain in my back and yeah. like my head which was and, which was which now was in retrospect due the to the infect- sepsis yeah that's right and right. and you had also been in the hospital a few times yeah. like in, in the in the couple so, weeks before yeah. so like at that point you know like it I can understand why yeah. they would think that but but also like as being being a person who's there with with like a loved one who is like yeah. obviously in need of some treatment it was it I mean was it's tough like, in the, to it's watch. tough in the age that we live in because uh, because, no because of addiction because yeah. of the epidemic of opioids right. and yeah. addiction right. I mean yeah. you it yeah. in when you when you isolate the event it seems like that's fucking ridiculous but then when you when you zoom out Absolutely. of that it's it makes more sense I mean again I mean, it makes sense. when you say, "Well, it's in my back." It's like, "Oh, you have back pain. You want mm, you want yeah. pain meds for back pain." Well, I mean, like, it was even when I broke my collarbone. Like, you would look at my collarbone, and you can see the bone, literally, <laughs> like just so close to popping out of the skin. 
And they even then they were like, yeah, mm. we kind of got to wait. And I'm just like, oh, my fucking God, go into yeah. like go into meditation mode because you're not going to get yeah. shit, That's buddy. A, the, but the also, that, you know, they can't like they can't give you. Yeah, just, it's, it's the doctor. I think it's the doctor that really has to sign off yeah. on it. So the nurse can't be like, oh, he needs pain meds. I'm going to go get the fentanyl and give it to him. Yeah. The doctor's got to be like, yes, give that to them. But if the doctor's like, well, I haven't seen this boy out there with the broken collarbone. I don't fucking know. I'll just I haven't say, seen him. I'll just say, like, the, the one thing that I learned from the experience is that, like, um, number one, there's more to the situation than it than it yeah. usually feels like. Absolutely. Especially Always. Be, like, yeah. being someone who is emotionally, like, invested in the situation and, like, kind of caught up in the heat of the moment um, it's hard to like look at the big picture, yeah. but there's definitely more to see. But then also, you know, like, is there a way to, you know, make Absolutely. that process better? I don't know. Absolutely. Like, yeah. So, um, so you go, so you have, you go in, you get, and what was the deal with the, with the OR? They thought that you got, like, well, when, they, when you were, when they were <laughs> operating on your bladder. Well, no, when I had the cyst, when I had the scope done to, this was, Probably about three weeks, four, oh, maybe longer, but a month after I had the surgery, they did the <clears throat> scope because right. there was such an issue trying to yeah. catheter. And the scope it was potentially where that bacteria, yeah, it, where that it could have been, might have come from, yeah. which it is like the, that's the, ri- the risk yep. that you run in yep. going through a procedure and having yep. shit exactly. stuffed into your body. It's like, well, yeah. Exactly. You know, something just didn't get cleaned well, well enough, or something just happened yeah. to touch the one thing in the room that was yeah. might have been contaminated. You know, so they like you never figured know. when they figured out what the bacteria was that that's probably where it came from. Now, since then, how have you been? Like, you know, you fought. You, um, well, you went through treatment, right? I mean, before the surgery, right? Yeah. So you went through. What was your treatment uh, other than removing the bladder? F- four rounds of chemo. And you never lost your hair. No, which, I told them I wasn't going to lose my hair, and they told me. So I that was, was just you just decided that yeah. <laughs> you were just yeah. like, I'm not. I'm not losing my hair. She glued. She just glued it. Yeah, every night. Yeah, every night, Marie, Marie was just putting 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 transparent yeah. glue and yeah. you know. They did, you will lose your hair, ma'am. She's like, yeah, no, they, I won't. They did say something like ninety-seven percent chance you'll because lose your hair. they're wow, like in in the. Treatment I was receiving, the chemo treatment I was receiving, <clears throat> the nurse was explaining it to me when I went for the first round. And she said, and unfortunately, this is the hair loss drug. And I went, nah, yeah. I'm not losing yeah, my hair. Right. And she said, oh, dear, I'm afraid you probably will. Probably after your second round. And. I just kept going, no. And when my treatment was finished, you there's a bell they you have. The and bell. Yeah. 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 So when I <clears throat> dinged the bell and my treatments were finished and a cu- couple of people went, and you still have your hair. They were just like, <laughs> yeah. I wonder how many, so how, I mean, I know that obviously the percentage is three out of a hundred, but, but I wonder how many people they see how, how often they see that when somebody doesn't lose their hair. I mean, I've I've never really it, heard of somebody yeah. not not losing their hair. And but it. a lot of people, like mine, thinned. Mm-hmm. Like my hair got thin in the back and a bit in the front. But some people end up shaving their head because the hair just right. comes out in clumps. Right, and then right? it's just like so well, they just well have to yeah because that's not pretty. So so you finished like you 
once you finish this treatment, you had the Indiana poach in, um, and at, at eventually like that became easier the new for you. Me. It became the, the norm, right? Yeah. Um, but then I know that like one of the things that we haven't talked about a lot is kind of like what it's like to be in that new normal, I guess. And, <laughs> and, uh, I know, um, the, one of these phrases or terms that we kind of coined early, I think, in in the podcast was this term of like survivor's guilt. Um, I don't think we coined that. But I, no, we definitely didn't. We I thought you talked about it. I thought you specifically said it, Jarrett. No, uh, I said another thing that was similar to survivor's guilt. Okay, not guilt. survivor's guilt, but yeah. but something like that. Okay. Yeah. So I well, I guess I won't pat us on the back for that. Sufferer's thing, guilt. Sufferer's guilt. Yeah. Which just turned out to be a thing actually. Yeah. In the end. Okay. Yeah. So uh, well, that's disappointing. We can just cut that out. Um, now we'll leave that in and, and highlight highlight what you just did. Okay, great, thanks. Um, but mom, like you, so like suffer sufferers get no. But uh, to be on that, to touch on that, survivor's guilt is the thing of someone being feeling guilty that they lived with, that they survived, and and other people have 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 haven't, and and there's like this weird sort of relation to that of being like well why me why did like how come i survived how come i sufferer's guilt is like the and this was this was a term that that came up and and maybe we coined i don't know i haven't really seen it anywhere else but it came up in our conversation with molly and molly basically had like the easy cancer and she had breast cancer and never lost her breast and the cancer went away and it never came back Mm -hmm. and we go to these cancer camps and we see people coming through and they're like well i lost my breast i lost both lost both my breasts i've lost my leg and and they're you know their life is in shambles and 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 molly's whole thing was like well fuck like i didn't and feel guilty that you didn't go through the shit or you, that degree. You fe- yeah, you feel like you don't have a right to to bitch about the shit that you went through yeah. because there's people that have had it way worse than you. Yeah. And so what gives you the right, right to feel like you have have any any validation in in feeling shitty about what you've gone through which the answer is you have every right. That's right. Yeah, yeah because, exactly. because your experience is yours and no matter what Somebody has it worse than you. Well, always. no matter what. Yeah, always. Always. Yeah. yeah. So, mom, like, what was like? What is your recent experience with that been like? Well, it's interesting because I am the new me physically, and it's taken a long time to get through the physical, learning to catheter, like the that whole process. It has yeah. been a long process, but I feel like. I've I've done it. I'm there. Mm. Other than the fact I have to calculate when I go to the bathroom, you know, mm-hmm. when's it going to be pee time? Where am I going to f- be? Do you get the feeling? Is there a, is there a, oh, is yeah. there a sensation? Uh, not that I have to go pee like normal, mm-hmm. but I get very full a very full feeling. So there's something that there's a yeah. there's a sensation. And if signal. I don't go, then that little <clears throat> stoma decides that it's going to go anyway. Oh, how many times and, do you, and you pee yourself? And then you pee your she, shirt. She calls and it leaking. Yeah, you leak. So yeah. I wear a little pad 
inside my pants just yeah. to make yeah, sure right. if that little stoma says I'm going to Is that leak. a special pad or is it like a Oh, like a no, you pad. just buy like those Tampax pads right. and so it's just a, whatever. It's just a, it's just it a could be nighttime, light pad. days, who cares, as long right. as it's a pad. Yeah. <laughs> Mom, I, I don't want to get too Heavy far. flow. I, I don't want to go too far away <laughs> from that, that question about um, like the sufferer's guilt and and your your um, current mental state. Like but, are you going through also, that right now? Are you are you feeling sufferer's guilt? Uh, well, like I say, the physical thing has finally like come and uh, to a point where okay, it's the way it is, and I'm okay with it. This thing that I realize now, or in the last couple of months, is it's not just about the physical, and. There is a lot of um, trauma when you have uh, cancer or any illness, life-threatening or otherwise. It's trauma. Mm -hmm. And I'm learning that there it is PTSD. Right. And we think of it, oh my God, like you have to be in a war or something very bad like that has to happen. But that's not what PTSD is. I think trauma it's can be trauma. relative, you know? Trauma is relative trauma. to the person and in a certain way. I'm just learning that, you know, this survivor's guilt. Um, when Brandon passed, I, th I, I had a really hard time with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I know everybody had a really hard time with, yeah. with that. But, and I just really didn't understand um, that whole why I felt. I mean, I felt bad because he was such a great guy to begin with. and But there was something more there. And I've just been really struggling with um, moving forward in life now. Mm. I always thought that, you know, no matter what happens, you stay positive and you try to move forward and you just keep going. And this really, cancer really has kicked me in the ass. So are you seeking any sort of like counseling or anything like that? Like, are you talking um, to anyone? Yeah. I, when I went to my last appointment, um, that's when the my doctor said, you know, classic case of survivor's guilt and you know what a lot of anxiety and depression from that's what it can do and mm. a lot of people experience that which I didn't really understand mm -hmm. but it's very common did you feel like uh, or do you feel I'm sort of I'm sort of picturing this in my mind that's it's sort of like the opposite of somebody who 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 overcomes cancer and then is like, everything is beautiful and life is before me. And it's almost like you've gone through this really heavy thing. And now everything, does everything else seem like mundane or, or, or unimportant? Is, is it, is it that? No. Like compared to the, compared to the, the, the struggle and like the mental shit that comes with thinking that you, you know, maybe I'll die or, or what it, this and that. I think for me, a lot of it is just saying, oh, wow, like more shit happened. Like, what's the point? Where do I go now? Mm -hmm. I just, I have no 
motivation to do anything. Not go out with my friends, not, and I know that's depression, mm-hmm. you know, just yeah. not, and it is a form of depression, mm-hmm. but I just lost like my motivation to live. Yeah, you're just like exhausted. It just, yeah, yeah. and it, it, I think a lot of it in the beginning is physical, but now I, I just, sometimes I just say, you know, is it all worth it anymore? Mm-hmm. And are you going... In and out of, do you go in and out of that, or is that a, or is, is that is that a fairly constant state, or and is is the is the 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 help that you sought helping? It does help, and I do feel better. Mm-hmm. But I didn't realize a lot of what I was feeling was the co- like was caused by. by yeah. you had gone through, yeah. right? Like mm-hmm. you just yeah. you just felt that way and didn't really have any and, explanation for why you felt that way. And um, they're just way. like the medical community too is just really starting to understand that cancer. It's not just the physical implications of it that a lot of cancer survivors deal with. Mental health issue. Mm-hmm. It's the same Afterwards. with the CF community. Yeah, it's like There's a any lot of a illness, lot of depression, right? a lot of depression. Mm-hmm. In, yeah, in in that. But they don't address that. Like, mm. I think too, you go, you find out you have cancer. There's all the support, right in the beginning. Oh, you can go here and you can go there, and you have all this support. And they they do say to you, you know, it'll be a struggle after. You know, it'll be tough. It'll be different, but they never really pinpoint anything. Or, yeah. But I think the medical community is now starting to realize. You know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, perhaps we need to put. But then mental health. It doesn't matter if you've had an illness or not. Like we just don't have enough. mental health support anyway yeah it's, yeah, it's, we're, um, it's still an uphill right. climb Absolutely. I'm, I'm thinking of like like hearing you say that is obviously like hearing that you say you know you go through all of this struggle and kind of wonder in the end like what's the point you know it's so hard <laughs> like hearing you say that is is pretty hard and like i i understand and i understand to go all the way back to the beginning like that that fear of like you know not wanting to say things and like tell me things in specific uh, specifically because you don't want to hurt me and you want to protect me from that stuff. But also then I think of the other side of that and I think of like, well, what if like, what if depression or the PTSD like got to the point where, you know, like it got to the point where you wanted to take your own life. Like, and not that, and I, I don't I think I would ever, I know that that's not this that situation. Yeah. I know that that's not this situation or at least I don't think it is, but like, no. but, but the thing is, is that like that would hurt way more than a tough conversation. I would never do I, that. To you. No, I know. And I, and, and I, and I don't want to be like that morbid about it. But no. like the other thing is the other thing that hurts more than, then having that tough conversation is is like knowing that you're going through that on your own too mm. right mm. and i would rather i would rather somebody who loves you like hear you talk about that stuff and know like okay like everybody in like we all know that everybody in life like deals with 
challenges, right? And yeah. like and then their shit and like it's it's crazy to think that you should be going around all the time having these like super positive <laughs> conversations. Like yeah. nobody's allowed to say anything bad because like the world's so beautiful and like you know, sometimes I feel that way and like sometimes I wanna like I, I know that personally I'll, I always want to project that pro- positivity, but like but that's not real. Like that's not the reality of life and like I would way rather you like open up to me and say fuck like I just really feel like I don't want to hang out with any of my friends and not because I don't like them but because I just feel no, depressed and it's not because and I think some of that is that uh well I I feel like sometimes when I'm out with my friends because the bathroom issue can be time consuming uh, I just don't want to burden them sometimes with, mm-hmm. and I don't think they feel burdened. No, they definitely no, don't. How long does it take you to piss? Um, like if you had to go right now, five to, five to ten minutes. Dude, you know how takes, long it takes me to take a shit? Yeah, me too. Double that. It takes me <laughs> maybe yeah, like twenty minutes. <laughs> if I go take a shit, I'm like, well, here I go. Takes See you guys. Minutes. Takes me. You guys are watching an episode of Seinfeld? I'll be back. Taylor's quick, dude. Minute and a half. <clears throat> yeah, dude. When I have a bowel movement, it moves. Now. Now, yeah, just to go back from how quick it takes me to take a shit back to the serious topic of your mental health. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> like when as hard as it is, and I know it must be hard to sit there and say to say that I've never heard you say that you're like my second mom. I've known you forever. I don't know if Brian's ever heard that. I don't know what few fights have had that conversation. I've debated whether I should say that, but and, I just said I'm going to be upfront. And now, Honest. but, and as hard as that is, and again, and incredibly challenging, you now share that weight yeah. and the burden, like a hundred pounds isn't a hundred pounds to lift. If you've got two people lifting it, right. it's 50. Mm-hmm. Well, it depends on who's on depends the other on, side. Yeah. Depends like, on, yeah, I guess it sure, depends. Yeah, I mean, yeah. if we split it equal, I mean, whatever. <laughs> yeah, it t- depends. Taylor. If you're lifting with your legs, you're probably taking quite a bit, but if you're lifting with those little arms, maybe, hey, man, maybe optimize, like optim- optimize for the bike. <laughs> So, but you, you guys get to share that now and now, and then, and then when you feel, and again, I know that maybe, maybe the, maybe the side of depression and anxiety that comes with PTSD doesn't always allow you to just like ding light turns on. I can talk to Brian, but at least the, the ice has been broken there now with that conversation. And, and you know, Brian wants to help you through anything I know. and I know that that breaks his heart to hear you say that but at the same time I don't mean to break your heart it breaks no, it in the best and, way it breaks it so that he can also I, now like you know have that have Lord. that relationship with you where he can I don't I, I don't but I don't want you to think you. I'm gonna go out and you know. no and and you know you and I you and I both know between ourselves that like I, I know that you would you would it I'm not. Come to that. I'm not like going I, there. I, yeah. I know. I know that, and I don't. I. I only use that really as a, like an extreme example of like of what could happen, right? And like, and what is a very real thing for many people on this yeah. planet who go through mm-hmm. things like yeah. that. And and the other thing I will say specifically about suicide, which is separate from all of this topic, but like people say that people who commit suicide are are uh, selfish, but it's like we we know now that it's not a case of being selfish. It's, it's a fact that you're living with a mental illness and there's all these other factors. And, and, and oftentimes when they make a decision like that, it's not because they're being selfish, but it's because they think 
that they're being a burden and almost in an extreme way that you talk about, like being a burden to your friends when you go to dinner and have to use the bathroom. Right. So I, I don't like when I say that it, it, it's hard for me to hear you say that Mm -hmm. it's not like unbearable for me to hear you say that it's hard because I know that you're going through struggle and I understand that. And, and you don't I, want it I don't, to go through alone. Uh, yeah, and and mm. and exactly, and that's and that's the thing. Like, it's the fact that you're you feel like you have to hold this in, which is hard for me to hear, um, and less so the fact that you know um, that you feel like it's going to be a burden to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now you know. Yeah. Now you can carry my burden with me. <laughs> well, I will. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that's fantastic. Now yeah. you know, and tens Maybe. of thousands of others. Yeah. And now around yeah. the world. <laughs> yeah, also, Taylor and Jeremy too. Now you guys have to carry a little bit. Yeah. Too. However, and see, the more people you tell, well. and the more people yeah. you talk about it, that's the right. more that like that hundred pound yeah. analogy is amazing. Because, but I like, think the important thing here is that. Sometimes we think that we're the only people experiencing something, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to say, you know, many cancer survivors have struggle yeah. with, yeah. you know, depression and PTSD and anxiety. <laughs> so once you realize, when my doctor said, oh, you know, classic survivor's guilt I just looked at him and said what do you mean and he said you know he said 40% of cancer patients experience that Mm -hmm. so you're not alone right but it's interesting too that it's almost like a like from the doctor's perspective and I know that there's lots of doctors who who listen to this podcast like one thing is is like that was a pretty uh, um, like reactive statement, I, I guess. Be, and and maybe there's an opportunity there to be more proactive in like, if it's forty percent of people, then like, is there a way to better convey um, that there are resources available to those people who are who are going through that? That and in the beginning, when they're talking to cancer patients, maybe they should be mm. telling them that. You know, they say things will be difficult, can be difficult afterwards, but then they don't go into the details, the details. Do you think that they don't do that because it's like you're you're overwhelmed with could be being like just stay alive Mm -hmm. and and they're they're going, well, let's not talk about let's not talk about a future that isn't certain. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not that any future Cross that bridge once yeah. you get to it kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. yeah. Which is an unfortunate, which if that but is perhaps the case, they should have that conversation truth. once you've gone through the treatment and things are, yeah. you're going for your six month scan yeah. and like things are, are looking good and it could be integrated. Then into maybe the that's process. the time to have that conversation. Like how many people yeah. do you think are currently here in Nova in, in Halifax? Going through cancer treatment. Oh, right now. oh my god! I wonder. I wouldn't even want to guess how many people were like. Were you? Would you go to chemo with? Oh, there's, there's a lot, like one, just in the one room. There are like twelve. 20. Okay, fifteen chairs. So, and so, okay, so so take those numbers right, crazy. and think about how now. 
now think about how many um how many students grade uh grade school students are transitioning from uh high school to university in in Halifax right now yeah a lot. Uh, i mean right now it's the summer but yeah. like let's say let's say you know each on year. on a, each year yeah um I don't know what that number would be, but I'd say it's it's probably pretty fucking high. Yeah. Um, And there's systems in place, pretty like well-oiled systems in place to, you know, teach those, those students what that transition will look Mm -hmm. like from one Mm -hmm. state in life to the next, which is like second post-secondary education. To me, it just doesn't seem that crazy, that far-fetched to just have a fucking, like, system in place, you know, with... it. it I don't think it would take that many staffed people to have, like, basically a... All right, now, you're, now you've are now you rung the bell. Mm-hmm. Here's what to expect after. And it's a, it's a four-class program. Like a student that, union office for people who are going through... You know, because, like, absolutely. you go down to the student union office when you need, like, some support. You they, know? Yeah. But that conversation has have, to... They do have some classes. Uh, I think it's once a month, The towards the end of the month at... Oh, I can't remember the name of the... It's over by the VG. I can't remember what the building's name sure. is. But they do. And I went to two of those and they were very informative but the thing is it's once a month right on like tuesday morning yeah like when <laughs> you know, everyone's available like yeah. i yeah. think right i think and, they and it, need it probably to have would yeah that more makes, availability and yeah more, perhaps yeah yeah, I mean that. Now that you say that, it's like, oh yeah, well, sure. The of course, they already thought of that. But know? even <laughs> for there, but even for there to be, but even for there to be an improved version of that is, I mean, it needs advocacy and all this shit because yeah. we live it in a bureaucracy, a yeah. and it's like yeah. mm-hmm. if we start having the conversation now, and 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 you get people together, you know, raising their voices about it, you might be lucky if two mm-hmm. years from now anything, yeah. well, and that's Jared, the. That's like, the shit reality. Like Joe, you just said, of About course everything. they thought of that, right? But like the reality is, is that like whatever's in place right now, like it, we wouldn't be having this conversation if it, it was, yeah, right. if it was a well-oiled mm-hmm. machine. As, as I feel as like we're going to get an email from someone after this and they're, and they're going to be like, no, but listen guys. And then like but, lay out this okay. whole program no, that exists. And we're like, no, but that, but know. that's great because the it reality is that my yeah. mom who's, who has yeah. had cancer, like, does, like is, <laughs> hasn't been exposed to it. So right. if there is a well-oiled program, Tell us about it, yeah. and, and like we'll say, do our best way to yeah. share that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and maybe there is elsewhere too, because yeah. this is your experience with right. the system here in the city, and the and the particular people that yeah. you were. Right. You're, and this you whole kind of the, all of this stuff, it all stems from the these. So this is like perfect for full circle, right? Mm-hmm. You came here kicking and screaming. Well, actually, you came here passed out over Brian's shoulder, and then yeah. we laid you on the couch and <laughs> woke you up. <laughs> Uh, confined to the couch with the mic in front of your face and you weren't into the idea of coming here but you did and you came here and you had this conversation mm-hmm. and now all of this stuff is out there right right and uh it, it can only be doing good You're right. for you for yeah. for you for you for me for anybody who's struggling who's listening right, right. so that you know Moral of the story right. is that the this this mentality of of wanting to protect 
of wanting to, you know, not, not wanting to be a burden of not wanting the neighbors to know like that. All that, all that stuff just perpetuates. Um, it's unhealthy. Yeah. It's just not healthy. And it wasn't bad, was it? No, it wasn't. Right? It was kind of fun. <laughs> we got to talk about you peeing it, out of your belly. But that's okay. what we do. Yeah, exactly. We make it fun. Yeah. Well, I got to say thank you so much for for just, you know, uh, humoring Brian and coming yeah. in here and doing that because it means it means yeah. a lot to him. It means a lot to us. Yeah. And it means I think it means a lot to a it lot of people. It means a lot to listen. me as well. Yeah, I'm glad. And thank you. Mm-hmm. Thanks for inviting me. Thanks, Thanks for and, dragging me here, Brian. <laughs> I will say too. I I know, like I number one, I'm I'm really thankful that we did this, and there's a number of reasons, and there's some personal ones too. But but uh, like I'm really thankful that we did this, and I know that I know that even though you quote unquote say that you don't really want to be here, like I know that you really value what we do oh, because you've told me that yeah. a, a ton of times and and that you know that this is important both for yourself and for yeah. for everybody else too so um thanks and i love you i love you too and and i want to say that i know that sometimes i feel like and we've discussed it that there can be the idea that sometimes it's easier for us to sit and do this podcast with a person that we don't know that comes in and is they're specifically here to talk about this stuff. And it's much more challenging to take this into your life and do it with the people that you love. And I, I really love that we did this because it's, it's, it's both. We got, we did the podcast, but it's also a very real example of how, I mean, like mm. it, it's, I it's really I really wanted to have this conversation, dude. Think yeah. about really think badly. about though, think about how unique this type of this setting for this conversation. So if we didn't do this podcast, like of course it's important to have these conversations with your loved ones, and that's what we're 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 trying to. That's a message that we're trying to perpetuate. But also, it's like, hey, mom, I want to sit down and talk to you about the struggles that you had with cancer. Let me invite my two best friends over, yeah, and, and they'll sit here too. And if they have any questions too, then they'll, they'll chime, chime in, in whatever they want. <laughs> but yeah. I want to, I want to be able to support you too. Like, I've absolutely, kn- I've known you, you since I was, I met you when I was ten years old. Who, and whoever you, you would have thought, me, yes, who God knows how many meals. Whoever would have thought we'd be sitting here when you were. 10 and you were coming through the door on Saturday morning where are the bacon and eggs yeah where are the bacon <laughs> and eggs I mean you've cleaned up my puke you've cleaned up my pee yeah. you've stepped in my shit don't you've dressed me <laughs> like I mean God like we've been through it all Marie yeah and, we have. and, and this is just and one the, and bigger step in our relationship and we climbed the Inca Trail that's right too. yeah we've that climbed mountains like, together yeah we've climbed mountains I'm glad you shoved in that one thing that was actually quite nice you know <laughs> we, ate, we, we ate weed brownies on a on a on a, on a trans Continental flight to, to <laughs> you. I ate. I ate weed brownies. I ate weed brownies. I, I remember look. I remember getting on the plane and turning to Marie. We were flying to Dubai to see Brian and Dennis, and uh, I turned to her and said, "I ate a weed cookie before I got on the plane." <laughs> With his long scraggly beard and oh, hair. God. Oh, that's that right. Beard was nasty as fuck, dude. It was a nasty beard. God, yeah. thank God you yeah. changed that stuff. You can follow me at. at Taylor McGillivray, go oh, back and see that if you God. want to see what I looked like with a nasty ass beard. Well, I think this is a good place to wrap it up, yep. uh, and I think it's it's just a nice, simple. That's it for this week. 
I'm Brian. I'm Taylor. I'm Jeremy. I'm Marie. Ah, and this <laughs> is Sick Boy. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.